and I work at a financial institution where the compromise of our, the composure of our board is really around, you know, CPAs, CFOs, CEOs. And so when you think artificial intelligence at the executive level, it's really about business outcomes and what's driving revenue and, and what risk should we be avoiding as opposed to the technology that's the underlying, you know, foundation of what AI is. SC Media and our sponsor, Dark Trace, are proud to present this month's CISO Stories program. Each month, the CISO Stories program explores a cybersecurity topic selected by Cyber Risk Alliance's CISO community and provides content that examines that topic from a variety of perspectives. Hosted by Todd Fitzgerald, best-selling author of CISO Compass, the CISO Stories weekly podcast features content powered by the 1,100-plus members of Cyber Risk Alliance's CISO community. Listen to previous CISO Stories podcast episodes at CISOStoriesPodcast.com. Cybersecurity Collaborative is a unique membership community enabling cybersecurity leaders to work together in a trusted environment. To learn more, visit CISOStoriesPodcast.com slash CSC. I'm your host, Todd Fitzgerald, and this week we welcome Edward Contreras, CISO and EVP at Frost Bank. Welcome, Edward. Thanks for having me, Todd. Great to have you here. So... What attracted you to the to the cybersecurity field? You know, uh, I don't know if it attracted me or it found me uh, or I ended up here by accident. But uh, I think once you arrive, longevity is the key. Uh, and, you know, when I first emerged into this environment, cybersecurity wasn't a thing. Uh, it was, uh, you know, technology. I think phrases like high tech were used back in the day. Uh, and so the military gave me options uh, and I chose this option and I haven't let go since. So it's something that uh, I grew fond of. And I think that's probably very common in our in our field. Well, well, thank you for your service. It's it's always uh, good to have veterans on. We we actually uh, we did a, a, a session not too long ago, uh, talking about uh, attracting veterans in the cybersecurity. So it's it's you know it's uh, I think the the training is fantastic that that you get in the military. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the fun things about the military, besides the the free travel uh, and the long vacations, is the fact that you get access to some of the most pristine training out there. Uh, and so a lot of times uh, what doesn't work or what does work is sampled through the military. So absolutely great training ground. Excellent. So th- today we're going to be talking about the business side of AI. So how is it that that we as, as you know, CISOs uh, communicate the, you know, AI to our boards and so forth without getting into uh, FUD is, is, is we can easily fall into that trap. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a conversation that's extremely common, but so difficult to have. And I think the challenge as technologists or as those that have been in the field for as long as they've been in the field, uh, you assume that most people grasp the concept of uh, artificial intelligence. You assume that acronyms and technologies are synonymous with success uh, and that everybody wants it. And the reality is it's quite foreign. You know, I work at a financial institution where the compromise of our, the composure of our board is really around, you know, CPAs, CFOs, CEOs. And so when you think artificial intelligence at the executive level, it's really about business outcomes and what's driving revenue and, and what risks should we be avoiding as opposed to the technology that's the underlying, 
you know, foundation of what AI is. Uh, and so when I'm in one meeting and, and I'm in one group and we're talking the tech stuff and we're in the weeds, you have to park that. And, and when you get to the executive in the boardrooms, you have to realize very quickly that all that conversation that drove you to this point now is irrelevant. And now you need to be able to translate that to what the business really cares about. Every company is here to make money, whether you're protecting lives, whether you're protecting finances, whether you're selling software that happens to be security software. In the end, it's really about driving revenue. And how do you bring that conversation to, you know, artificial intelligence? It, you know, it takes a skill set to get there. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I worked for a bank uh, briefly myself. Uh, worked in mainly in healthcare industries and some other industries, but I worked for a bank for a while, and it was interesting to me that that you have this this uh, lens over risk. You have credit risk. You have operational risk. You have financial risk, uh, and and cybersecurity really becomes one of those other risks. And, and it's actually an advantage in a, in a financial services type environment because they under, they understand risk. Um, where other organizations that may not have like a chief risk officer uh, don't necessarily have that same nomenclature. Yeah. It's, it's, it's phenomenal the way that financial institutions truly embrace the conversation of risk and understand all the services that we're providing to our customers come with some type of risk exposure uh, and having a chief risk officer who, you know, I report to the chief risk officer, uh, having a chief risk officer talk about credit risk, loan risk, uh, you know, you know, liquidity risk, uh, and then being able to talk operational risk and, and operational risk can be uh, a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And if you think about, you know, a global financial institution, that may be fully digitized. Well, branch risk or you know brick and mortar risk may not be an issue, uh, but ISP risk uh, and third party partners may be. Uh, and so, when you get into these types of meetings with the boards and, you, and the executives, the risk conversation seems to lead uh, a lot of: Can we do this? Should we do this? And if we're doing it, how long can we do it for? Uh, and so, risk is it's really baked into the the taxonomy of, of what a financial institution is and it's 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 great for our field if you ever get to work for a financial institution you're not you know walking uphill all the time you're not battling those conversations or starting in a six-foot hole you know you're really starting with is this the right thing for our customers for our stakeholders for our investors and are, and are we really doing things that is you know risk aware and risk adverse i think that's a really good conversation to have so, so as we look at artificial intelligence and, and risk, what sort of conversations, uh, you know, are, are occurring in that space? It's really exciting. When you think about all the uh, financial institutions that are out there, a lot of manual processes are, are used throughout that. I, you know, for those uh, of us that ever have bought a home or a car, two of the most daunting tasks of, of those two exercises is the paper form. It's filling out this long document, initialing several hundred times and, and, and being able to uh, put ink on paper. And when you think about a financial institution, uh, and you know, our bank's been around over 150 years, uh, about 155 years actually, um, a lot of those manual processes are, are cemented across the organization. Uh, and so 
being able to talk about artificial intelligence and being able to say, can we do, can we get to a business outcome quicker? Can we divert our resources from doing the long tasks that nobody wants to do at the end of the day or the beginning of the day or the closing month exercises and actually start to use technology to do that? And then even help having the technology help guide us to where we want to be. Um, it saves a lot of money and, and it also eliminates a lot of errors. You know, there is repetitiveness into tasks that if you do it day in and day out, you get kind of prone to it. You, you get, you know, you get relaxed. And, and then all of a sudden, two zeros or three zeros, they kind of blur. Uh, and you look at, okay, the numbers are flowing. But then all of a sudden, you start to realize you can automate this process and you can start to use machine learning. You can start to use large language models and you can start to use artificial intelligence to get to where you want to be in a, in a quicker way. Uh, you know, it's very beneficial. And, and we do have these talks at our bank and, and we've formed uh, an artificial intelligence council to help talk about these use cases and the use cases that come forward. Uh, they're energizing. Uh, they're things that banks typically don't talk about. Uh, and, and so being able to apply that from a business perspective without having to dive into the technology side of it just yet, just understanding where can we direct it? Where can we focus artificial intelligence that actually can get our customers what they need quicker with less frustration, less friction, uh, and less errors? It's actually a really good conversation. It's interesting you mentioned the mortgages. I, I, I recently went through a, a purchase of a, of a new property, and it, it was it was automated all through the closing process. Everything was online, click this, sign here, et cetera. I go to closing, and then the title company has printed out all of the things that all the forms I had supplied earlier that I, that, that I then had to sign that then we're getting scanned into something else. So, so it's, it's like the whole, you know, there's this gap in our, in some of our processes where we have them automated to a point and then, and then, and then we stop and then that adds all that cost right back in again. Yeah. It's, it's funny that, uh, we had some, you know, uh, bankers that that really liked the feel of paper and if you think about you know in, in your background you see a lot of really nice books uh in front of me i have a, a bookshelf as well and i think the feel of flipping the page or or the the texture of being able to slide your finger down and say okay i'm on this area of, of, of the chapter there's something like euphoric about it there's something that says hey i'm i'm, I'm engaging in the book and then when Kindle came out and, and you talk about, well, wait a minute, now I can just have thousands of books in, in, in this one device. And they had to in, invent the sound of pages flipping to get, you know, the old schoolers into that process. Financial institutions are very similar. You know, we're, we're used to, okay, oh, great technology, great digital interface, great way to collect signatures. But when it comes down to it, we're going to throw you back on paper, and that's just as disturbing as can yeah. be. Uh, and so, we, I, I think this whole conversation about where do you apply it, well, you know, where do you start? It, it, it is funny when you mentioned books. I, I have more bookcases than this, actually, that I, I read a lot of stuff. And, um, and I also have a Kindle. 
And, mm-hmm. and so, uh, what I find is that when I'm traveling, I like the Kindle. And, you know, when I'm at, when I'm at home on, with a book, I, I like to read the, the, I like the hard book, especially mm-hmm. if you're trying to find something quickly. It's actually faster to find it, uh, in a, in a paper book. And sometimes I found myself actually buying both versions of the book. <laughs> if it's a book I'm really interested in, I've been reading it at home and I'm traveling somewhere. Um, I'll get the, I'll buy the Kindle version as well and, and continue, <laughs> uh, continue my reading there. So, so what are some of those other use cases that, that you see in, in, you know, our organizations that, that we could be using this artificial intelligence for? Yeah. One of the things that we were talking about with our leadership team is if we were to start to embrace this and, and really start to take this forward, We'd like to see action very quickly. We'd like to see results very quickly. We know we don't want to spend, uh, you know, months building our own large language model, and, and we don't want to wait quarters for results, and we don't want to spend an enormous amount of money uh, to be able to get somewhere. We want to be able to do it fairly quickly. And so we started talking about, well, what are those use cases? What are the areas that we feel our employees would embrace and not be fearful of? potential, you know, losing your job, uh, where would our customers be okay with us bringing in technology and kind of driving a portion of, of, of the, the route to where they need to go without them feeling like they don't have a banker assisting them. And so some of those use cases came forward. And, and what we found is that, uh, the task where data, uh, is to your point, when you get to the title company, those pages, uh, where they're manually uploaded, where uh, we can figure out where signatures need to be versus where they don't need to be. Even though that process, and, and probably most people don't realize, you know, when you're closing uh, escrow, typically 30 days because of all of those manual processes. Well, if you start to use artificial intelligence, you might be able to crawl that back some. And we found that we can do that. We did a, an exploration around uh, robotic process automation, RPA, uh, back when the PPP loans were coming out, and, and it was our first journey into the foray of automation. Uh, and we found that uh, we had a lot of bankers ready to do loans the traditional way. Uh, and when we said, let's you know, run these in, you know, in parallel and let's see if a bot can do what our longtime bankers can do, to your point, Todd, who knows, I can find the answer very quickly. I know which chapter it is. I, I remember I, you know, I, I folded the page. I had a bookmark. You know where to go. And that's what, that's the sweet spot of banking is, is, is a lot of people that are in this industry have been here for a long time and they know what they need to do. Mm-hmm. Well, when we introduced RPA, uh, the, for the first, you know, 24 hours of the PPP process, uh, we did more loan closures in one day than we did the year previously. Uh, and at the f- end of the first round of PPP, we outpaced Bank of America. And, and we're a regional bank uh, that, you know, is in Texas. And, and while we're still a top 50 bank in the U.S., we had no business outpacing Bank of America. There was just no reason why we should do that. And so when that came about and our executive team started talking about the value of automation and trusting technology, that opened up the use cases for us. So we started looking at our contact center. Uh, and one of the agreements we had is we don't want technology to interface with our customers, but it should be a tool for our employees and it should get us what we need to, to do. Uh, and I'll, I'll use your use case, Todd. 
you're looking for something in a book and you know the author and you know the book, but you may not remember the page. Well, artificial intelligence, we can just say, hey, I think this is the phrase that I'm looking for. We type it in. It may say almost instantaneously, go to page 234 of this book. You look on the third paragraph, second line uh, from the bottom. Uh, mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, your journey to that location is almost instantaneous. And so we felt our customer contact center might be a good use case to start beta testing this. And while we haven't released it yet, uh, we have some good beta use cases in front of us. And we've talked to other banks as well. Uh, and we start talking about, and this is you know, where you get a little bit on the techie side, uh, the concept of co-pilot uh, for the, anybody in your audience that actually does coding uh, and actually develops applications. There's a process in that whole scenario that's called a peer review. Uh, and does it matter what language you're doing? It doesn't matter where you acquire the language from, whether it's open source or purchased or internally developed. You need somebody to look it over. Well, think of artificial intelligence and co-pilot as, well, what if the first person who's writing it is actually artificial intelligence and your employee is the peer review? Uh, and, and then all of a sudden you start to realize code gets there quicker. Uh, your peer review still happens uh, and you have a chance to be able to deploy code quicker uh, and, 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 you know, and have quicker cycles and turnaround. And all of a sudden your customers are getting more services or, or, or more things that they want inside of the application. So most traditional shops, when you think about uh, the old traditional way of delivering products, which was the waterfall process, evolved to agile, which was quicker and sprints. And everybody's talking about time to market is almost instantaneous. Well, now you introduce artificial intelligence and what's instantaneous now? Is that redefined, right? Is that something that says, hey, we actually are backlogged on the peer review process. We have so much product at the ready to deliver. Now maybe our customers aren't ready to get all this change at one time. So those are the type of use cases that we're talking about. Um, we also talk a little bit about fraud detection, about cybersecurity, of course, uh, you know, in our area. If you think about anything that involves voluminous data, artificial intelligence should be a discussion where, hey, can we use this to kind of sift through it and, and find the, the, the needle in the haystack that we're all looking for? And if artificial intelligence can say, I think I know where the needle is, whether it's there or not, at least you know you're within the vicinity. Those are typically good use cases to bring forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you just scared <laughs> half the CISOs out there that are still trying to figure out how do we get security into agile development. Now we're, now we're moving it even faster, right? Um, so how do, how do we make sure that we're, that we're aligning with uh, our our corporate goals and that, you know, that we're, we're, we're using uh, chat GPT with the way our organization wants us to use it. I said chat GPT, but I mean, any generative AI or AI product. Yeah. You know, I, I would tell the, you know, the, your audience, especially those that have been in this field for as long as they've been in this field, it, it, it's a new way of thinking. Uh, and, and I would use the analogy of when we were all in grade school learning math, um, it was frowned upon to use a calculator. And it wasn't because the calculator was evil and it wasn't because the calculator was inaccurate. It was because they wanted you to understand the concept before you got to the easy answer. Uh, and now if you look at today, calculators are on everybody's phone, their watches. Uh, you can't go anywhere without the calculator. Uh, and so much so that math now is designed around the use of calculators. 
are people smarter or not smarter than they are today than they were before? I don't think there is a difference. But if you can get to the answer a lot quicker, I think uh, there's a benefit there. I think there's uh, pros around leveraging these new capabilities uh, and recognizing that calculators are not evil. Uh, they're a tool in the tool chest, but you still have to know how to punch the equation in. And you still need to validate the answer. Uh, so just hitting any numbers on a calculator will produce an output. But if you don't know the formula and if you don't know the, the desired output, uh, then of course you're going to get the wrong answer. And I think artificial intelligence is very similar. You, you have to know what you want to put in. You have to have enough documentation to say, I'm ready to put this through the cycles. And you have to have some type of anticipated knowledge of what the output is going to be. Uh, and if you're doing it that way, the the scariness or the FUD or the concern around, am I going to lose my data? Well, if it's well documented and you're going through the process the way you typically go through, uh, then it starts to remove that concern. Uh, and I think that's the way you really want to tiptoe into this area. Uh, you have to go collectively uh, and you have to bring your executive partners and peers with you. Uh, it shouldn't be an IT initiative. It shouldn't be a cybersecurity initiative. Uh, it should really be a leadership initiative. What's our intent here? Is our intent to grow branches? Is our intent to bring in more deposits? Is our intent to, you know, uh, open new uh, regions within new, uh, you know, locations that we've never been in? Is it in the healthcare industry? Is it to take on new doctors remotely and be able to allow them to interact with, you know, patients or, or nurses that they've never interacted with before? If you know the use case and you document it beforehand, uh, then that allows you to say, okay, now that we know this, what guardrails we want to put in place? If we know that process, it's the same thing as, you know, the, the, the phrases that I think most people, you know, get annoyed of over time, zero trust, uh, it, the, the fact that, you know, layered defense comes out. All those things are because, you, you know, they're great concepts, but to get there, you need mass amount of documentation, uh, you know, and, and artificial intelligence is no different. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been great, Ed. I think we're we're definitely on the the forefront of of a lot of changes in in just the way that we work um, with the with the power of of some of these tools. What, what final advice would you give to emerging CISOs, new CISOs, current CISOs, or experienced CISOs as they're as they're trying to you know integrate uh, AI into their into their organizations? You know, my, my advice that I would give is don't start with the technology uh, and don't start with the technologist. You, you have to really start with the business, know where the, the direction of the corporation or the company is going, understand what the objectives are, not only near term, but, but mid and long term, and then figure out where they would benefit from automation, where they would benefit from uh, the path quicker to success and where you can be of, of, of assistance. After you do that, I think the reality is your job then is just to eliminate risk and, and help understand if this is our strategic direction, how do I make sure that we manage risk so that way we can collectively get there together in a sound and safe manner. Uh, and so I would say, you know, the advice would be short term is engage the business, engage your executives, know where they want to go and make sure you're along the ride for the journey. Well, thanks a lot, Edward. Thanks for taking the time with us today. Thanks for having me, Todd. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode of the CISO Stories Podcast. We want to say a special thank you to Dark Trace. Please subscribe to the CISO Stories Podcast and you will receive a new story each Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. We'll see you next week for a new episode.